It's a lovely evening here in Claremont today, and we're extremely excited to introduce y'all to our very first episode of Dear Woman Men. Our names are Bilge Tayyar and Justin Livier, and we are excited to be hosting a series of lovely and not so lovely men on our show throughout these series. We're really just interested to understand feminism from the strict and heavy emphasis on strict male perspective. So our job will really be to bring all of these males and from all walks of life and sit them down and ask them a series of questions that can hopefully allow us to understand how feminism is perceived around the globe. You know, Jocelyn, this wouldn't have been possible without funding from the Keck Center for International and Strategic Affairs and a special shout out to Professor Terrell Jones. Now that we've got the nitty gritty out of the way, let's jump right I think there's three different sort of waves of feminism. Um, the first the first wave tends to be the the 1920s sort of movement towards uh, women's rights to vote. Um, second movement, you know, the 60s, 70s, which tended to be more like women into the workforce. And I think right now we're experiencing a third wave of feminism. So people define it very differently. Um, but the way at least I define feminism is uh, the, the like a woman that wants to achieve the equal rights of men and women. Um, how did you come up with this definition? Um, my definition is just like pretty clear cut depending on, on other people that I've talked to, especially other feminists. Um, feminists within themselves tend to have different sort of views of what feminism is. Some tend to be a little bit more stronger towards um, ideals of like uh, hyperfeminism, where others tend to be more just like equality among the sexes. So it's just in my experience by conversing with other women. Okay, interesting. And so you mentioned your belief for equality and expectations for different genders or sexes, as you put it. So does would you say that the culture that you grew up in have has different expectations for these boys and girls, which you may define as sexes or genders? I think it does very much. Um, I come from a very... Um, the, the translation is chauvinist, but it, we call it machismo. It's like anti-feminist culture, um, where a lot of emphasis is put onto that. And it doesn't even just go towards... Like sometimes you think of uh, machismo um, or anti-feminist as sort of being against women, but it's also within men. It's a sort of a, a mix between being anti-feminist and being uh, toxic masculine, like the idea of toxic masculinity. It's the intersection between the two. Um, that is like what I would put machismo to be. And that machismo is very, very strong in my community. And not even only in men, like not only in men machistas, um, some women would even go as far as to say like, I am a machista too. So. That is very, very interesting. Um, why do you think those women go as far to define themselves as machista men? It's very obviously anti-feminist and degrades women in some senses. I think it doesn't have to do much with the relationship between men and women, like strictly. It has to do more with the culture where, where we're coming from. Um, our culture has always been very, pro, very, very strongly Catholic, um, where women tend to stay at home, um, men do everything out. Um, men tend to have control over the families, everything. Men tend to have control over everything. And the idea of women having control, not only of their own lives, let alone of like the entire family, um, is just like ludicrous to them. So I think that is, uh, tends to be like one of the major things. Um, so women tend to be now more comfortable in that sort of situation because they want to be, um, they want to remain in the house. They want to remain comfortable in, in their living space. Um, and that just goes to show how ingrained it is into their system um, to even defend the machismo culture.
Great. So I think you do bring a different cultural experience than both of us. We were raised in different contexts. So to give us a bit more insight as to what you consider to be a feminist, can you name some feminist figures? Feminist figures. Um, I mean, ideal. Like my, in my head, the person I would immediately think of is like world leaders that are, have been women. Um, one of them that would pop to my head would be like Mar- uh, Thatcher. But then you think of Thatcher, and she was very, very hyper masculine uh, as a woman. So. I don't know if that would be the correct sort of definition for a feminist because even though she achieved a lot of great things, it was through her masculine qualities that she was able to achieve that and not through her feminine qualities, which I think isn't that great. Uh, today, I really like uh, New, Ze- New Zealand's prime minister. I think that's, uh, yeah, um, she's a, a woman that has done like crazy amount of good things uh, for that country. And I think that's great. And she tends to have more feminine qualities that Thatcher did not have. Great. So... I have a question. Do you think someone should have um, should have achieved a lot of things in order to be considered a feminist figure or someone who lives, who stays in a house, who does basic things in their day-to-day lives, an average person can also be a feminist figure? I think that that is when you go into semantics, like within feminists, they can be feminist, um, but figures, even when if, like masculine figures, you think of masculine figures, you think of men that have done great things. Um, I think it goes to the, the second part of the word, which is the figures part, um, where you come to respect that person because of the greatness they've done. So um, I don't think that has much to do with the, the word feminist or the word masculine. It has to do more with the word figures. Um, so that was like my... Well, I'd like to legal, dig a little deeper because... So you had said that you talked about world leaders, and I'm not talking about conventional feminist figures that you may think. I want to know what you think are feminist figures. Mm -hmm. You also immediately went to global leaders and you talked about um, the New Zealand prime minister, which she's trailblazed for LGBTQ plus rights, women um, in paternity and maternity stay-at-home leave. But so then are you implying that authority and power in political is what defines feminist figures? Because if you go back to gender like politics, you can say that a lot of these masculine leaders, which have historically been, you can see genocide, you can talk about even Donald Trump as a male figure and how they gain power. Mm-hmm. So what, is it political power or control over other individuals? Is it a traditional hierarchy that you believe? I think it goes back to the entire system we live on. We live in a very patriarchal society with like very strong hierarchies. And at the, the highest level of the hierarchy is either wealth, um, sometimes fame, um, but mostly wealth and power tend to be the ones that uh, dictate everything. So I would go to those immediate two things. I wouldn't on, only necessarily go for power like global leaders, but also finance leaders. There, there are, even though they're really underrepresented, um, women, there, there are many women that are leaders in the finance industry or in their own personal industries, um, which I think is they're very interesting to, to look upon. Like maybe Kathy Wood would be one that, out of the top of my head. Um, what she's done is amazing, even though ARC right now isn't doing that well. Um, I think being able to be a sort of the leader um, in like the uh, tech world is, is really amazing and I really respect her. Interesting. Well, I would argue that finance is power in a capitalist, androgynous society. So would you not say that, are you willing to conform your feminist ideals to this? Are you comfortable with that? Because you, you say you put up the society, right? Mm-hmm. And then I ask you to name these feminist figures and you name them and you acknowledge, you say in this society, this is what is usually power. You're okay with naming your feminist figures based off of that? Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Um, another question. Do you identify as a feminist? Um, 
again, it goes to show where exactly feminism is. If I was in Mexico, because people tend to have a very different definition of what other of of what the word is. If I was in Mexico, I would consider myself a feminist, and I would say I am a feminist. Here in the United States, here in California, maybe I wouldn't adhere to that the the term that is considered feminist here, just because of. Um, it, it tends to have different definitions and people define it very differently here than they do back home. What do you think is the major difference? I think it's most mostly just like a, a, a part of the political spectrum. Like it, feminism tends to be sort of often interchanged with liberalism. Um, and I feel that even though I would consider myself a liberal and I would consider myself a feminist back in, in Mexico, here in the United States, especially here in California in a blue state, um, there's a whole other part of the spectrum um, in terms of political ideals that I personally do not agree with and therefore I wouldn't place myself under that sort of label. So when you say there is a certain difference in terms of the political ideals, do you say that the definition of feminism as its official definition is seeing men and women are equal in the political sphere and the social sphere and that's the definition you came up with like a few mm -hmm. minutes ago? So do you say this definition has some additions in different contexts? And being a feminist is not actually only defined by this definition, but it comes up with other consequences. And by saying that you're a feminist, you you have to imply other things as well. Right. Um, I think one of the main things is that I, I personally agree with that idea of like everyone should be treated equally um, in, regarding like social, economic and all the other aspects. However, people here tend to also go a little bit farther by um, because there have been because the the uh, the like the uh, female sex has been wronged in a way in the past and they have been limited, um, there should be some sort of like uh, force and movement to help them get up faster. You know, and it and it makes sense. Like I do, I I do understand. For example, if you're playing Monopoly and people are playing Monopoly, imagine if they play five or six turns before you and then you enter the game. Well, you're gonna lose because you're too late to the game. You sometimes need a little handicap extra to be able to reach to that same level so you're both at the same speed. Um, which I understand that argument, but I personally don't agree to, with it too much. Um, and that tends to be just like pure self-interest, I guess. Um, but I do think that um, women should be treated equally amongst all ranks in everything. But I wouldn't go as far as to say that they should be, be able to have like an extra hand, handicap in order to get to that equality. It's, it's, I think it will goes to the two words, equity and equality, and the difference between the um, two. Just out of curiosity, you just said that it's out of personal self-interest. So do you think in some contexts, maybe in California, in a blue state, feminism threatens your masculinity in your position of power as a male? It does, it really does. And I think, and I'm not only talking to my, uh, about myself, I do think I talk, not, not of, of all males, but of definitely many of them, um, that there is a sort of like a idea that, a, I mean, you want to retain power and by other people getting power, you know, you're sort of limiting your own self. So it is, it goes to an idea of like self-preservation and self-interest and that is at the root of the entire like anti-feminist movement, I think. Thank you. Okay. So we've obviously talked about what you believe in terms of the identity tag feminism and feminism can be interpreted differently by different people as well. So intersectionality is defined usually as the interconnected nature of social values and that can include your, your race, your class, your gender and feminism 
although in mainstream you, you tend to from what i've heard this conversation and correct me if i'm wrong you associate feminism with a very western um progressive and modernized notion and that's why you don't assimilate with um, feminism so i'd like to introduce you to a new concept of womanism and i know you've probably heard me talk about it in our casual conversations day to day so womanism itself is a social theory concept introduced earlier after after your 1920s movement you described that first wave so i'm sure you're familiar with it but essentially it argues that feminism is a very white woman push forward movement and while it encourages these micro discrepancies in the coverage of them so you're talking about your pay gap and you know we should pay women equally yeah mm -hmm. it covers all of that right it does not cover the concept that women particularly women of color have been historically disadvantaged by these movements and i'm going to use the term womanism liberally to include lgbtq plus and femme identifying individuals so with that being said would you be more comfortable being inclusive of a term womanism rather than feminism i think i would and i think it also goes to it goes to show sort of the also the negative connotations that femin the word feminist has because um well at least in mexico um they do they make a lot of uh, noise and a lot of movement uh, against femicides and many other things and many other problems that uh happen in the community um but they also in in their sort of like activism they tend to graffiti they tend to burn things so that then they carry this negative notion and now i don't want to sort of associate myself with the word even though i believe in the ideals and i believe in the everything the word itself is tainted enough already that i don't want to associate with it whereas womanism offers a choice of being a sort of new word um where i tend to agree more with that just because of the it it is cleared out of all the other negative con connotations that it carries and i'm the reason i'm asking this is i'm not i don't mean to attack or anything but in 2020 forbes declared this new wave of feminism stronger than ever before i believe it was the fourth or fifth wave of feminism and so i'm curious to know 2020 was also the year in the middle of a pandemic and if it was the strongest wave of feminism you had not you know if you see at the pay discrepancy you see white women in comparison to white males yes you are a few cents off when compared to the dollar black woman woman of color you see a significantly larger so if this feminist movement was stronger than ever where was it leaving these women of color and these lgbtq plus and family identifying individuals behind in the wave so i'm curious to know if in your what you say patriarchal society mm -hmm. womanism is really the idea that you can lift you can sort of empower a woman within a community and by empowering her you alternatively empower the entire family and you uplift them and i'm curious to know if there is a segue between that and your culture rather than direct feminism which tends to be prescribed to more neoliberal thoughts and more i guess what you might consider like you know you said protesting and fires and whatnot so i just want to know your thoughts on that too I, i very much agree with it and i think it's even beneficial to the community and beneficial to a cool country just because it it tends to like sort of by amplifying a woman's uh, any sort of woman a role in society you're also helping the family as you said and by helping the family you're ultimately having this sort of collectivist uh sort of idea and by empowering the collective i think you're able to push uh, pull everyone up um which which i think is way better than the feminist ideal which is very i think individual and very much of it's like my rights um instead of like this whole collectivist idea that's behind womanism so i i think i tend to agree even now uh, even more with it now So feminism to you is I I guess a little too individualized, right? So I think you see women I guess in your society and I'm also Mexican and obviously I didn't grow up in Mexico as much as you did or spend as many years there but um the I guess idea I'm very familiar with that women really are a familial like they play a familial role mm -hmm. and so a movement that would target a woman in its ability to enlist an entire family and community I think would have a greater impact I would go as far as to say 
in these countries where it is very patriarchal, not to mention I think it also benefits women of color as well and is inclusive of everyone else. So ironically, I would I would also comment on that. But yeah. Um, you have anything to add? I agree 100%. I think that what you said is very, very clear. And I, and I agree that it is definitely beneficial to everyone, even including to a degree. Because when you're benefiting society as a whole, it's like that idea of power, of individual power. Imagine it's a cake and everyone wants to have a bigger slice. But when you're talking about, about bettering the community as a whole, not only uh, like individual people fighting for power, then the cake is also growing. It's not only the slices that are getting bigger, it's the cake that is growing. And, and if you're able to have that, I think that is literally the best of both worlds. I have another question following up on that. So many definitions of feminism include actually separating the woman from the family and saying that not every, every individual, every female identifying individual chooses to have a family, chooses mm -hmm. to have a kid or like just have a partner. And I think this is very empowering for women in many cases because a lot of women are expected to leave the workforce and these expectations affect their jobs, their careers, and their daily lives. So I wonder, what you do you think these feminist movements, which empower women in this sense, um, have a negative impact on the society as a whole, now that you talked about how empowering women as a part of the society improves um, the, the community as a whole? Well, I think the question there's also how what is the woman's role after she decides not to have a family? Um, how does she help society? And I think that many women decide not to have a family in order to pursue their careers. Um, but by pursuing their careers, they're actually also helping society. Um, they're they're taking more of that capitalist sort of ideal of supporting everyone. And if in, by the end, like by capitalist morals, if you have money, then you're providing a service, you're bettering the world, you're creating a product, you're giving something to the community that um, you're adding value to the system. So I don't think that they're, they're that's limiting at all. I think that is also great. Um, but there are obviously exceptions where people decide not to uh, partake in that sort of like career adding, benefiting, benefiting society in that way, nor benefiting society by having like a mo through motherhood. Um, and that is where my biggest problem with feminism is. But everything else I think um, really goes to show the how by the end of the day you're helping society. Thank you. Actually, this connects to my next question very well. So what is wrong with feminism? I think what's wrong with feminism, as I previously mentioned, it tends to be the, the sort of branding it has. Um, it definitely carries a very, very strong branding that tends to divide uh, people more than unite them. It's very much us against them. Um, it's like feminists versus like the masculine guys. So it's, you do feel that sort of like difference. And then secondly, um, the problem with feminism is that um, it sometimes empowers people in order to not do anything beneficial to society. So at the end of the day, for, it, for those individuals, it tends to be detrimental to society. Um, but that would be like my only issue. Thank you. Interesting, this actually segues a bit. You had said feminists versus men, us, we, right? Mm -hmm. And that's what you use to identify. So going off of that, um, are you familiar with the concept of hypermasculinity? Of course. Great, okay. <laughs> so I'd like to know, uh, first off, can you provide our listeners with a quick definition so hypermasculinity, uh, like i would tend to like go back to that idea that i have back from back home machismo which is like b 
basically you have to be a macho man you have to be very like strong masculine um you have to provide um there are three three p's for for masculinity i've read a lot a lot about it um one is providing uh, you provide to the family you provide to society you're a provider um another one is procreation uh procreation is you know get, get making babies or whatever and the third is protect um protecting the society protecting your family um so those three are the three p's of uh that are the centerpiece of masculinity and by hyper masculinity you're just hyper hyperizing those um those three p's okay amazing so you talked about hyper masculinity in your society and your culture and you talked about machismo what age and you can specify this to mexico do you think that these gender discrepancies start oh um like when you're born um there isn't really that much i mean you're, you're treated very differently as a boy than you're treated as a girl um since the colors like if, if a boy little boy wants to wear pink it's like ah no what are you wearing like what's wrong with you you're not a boy like and they really ingrain that to you so always like baby blue um you know like they ingrain it to, to you at such a point um many schools especially at a younger age are separated between boys and girls um so there's also that distinction that really drives it more thoroughly um and just the way that everyone is treated like you you definitely get that even before teenagehood okay interesting and so now i'm gonna pass over to Felga. i think she has some very interesting and takes on what to say next yeah i wanted to ask two questions first of all do we need feminist movements i think we do I think feminism is, is like any sort of counterculture movements I, are great because society isn't perfect. I mean, everyone's trying trying to be perfect, but by striving to be perfect, um, we're the only way to perfect ourselves is by having critics. And I think uh, feminists do bring out a very big point and, and are great critics of society. Um, so having them is actually amazing. Like I do, I do agree very much that there should be a place for feminist movements. Great. And so if your daughter grows up to be a feminist, what are you going to tell her? <laughs> well, I mean, it would be like great for her. I, I mean, as long as you're able to have clear discussions um, and very communicatively be able to like point this out and not be so emotional. I think um, that is the, the, the best part of like actually being able to find solutions for everyone. Okay. You mentioned the word emotional in there. Oh, yeah. Okay. Do you associate <laughs> that with a ne- Is that a negative connotation with women? Well, not necessarily. I mean, guys can get really emotional too. I think there's two different sort of stereotypical emotions that guys can have and girls can have. Girls can be emotional and sort of the hysterical, like sad, like oh, anxiety, like all that. This is just a stereotype, of course. Both both people, like anyone can can experience that. But it tends to be more stereotype uh, towards girls. And guys can have fits of anger and rage and just like ah. Hypermasculinity. So, hypermasculinity, exactly. Guys um, can have hypermasculinity. Of course, definitely. And, and hypermasculine men tend to be more uh, emotional in that sort of rage aspect. So it, it goes to the stereotypes, I guess. Um, but I, I think keeping emotions out of all of this tends to, is the, the most important part. Oh, and ego also is a very important thing that men tend to carry a lot. Um, so by having these conversations, um, if my daughter ends up being a, a, a feminist, <laughs> um, like as long as you are able to have like good clear communication and and like okay I agree, like I see your point I understand it I personally don't agree with it but that's okay yeah. and I think that's great I think that uh, that makes that makes her a thinker that makes her think against society and like be outside and I think that's great I would actually support it. Thank you. So our last question is, one thing you would tell a woman. One thing I would tell a woman, um, I think. 
one of the main things, it's kind of hard to tell you, like, be the bigger person um, towards women. But I think sometimes men tend to be very egotistical, tend to think a lot through emotion, uh, very, very emotional. So I would tell the woman, um, when they go low, we go high, like Michelle Obama says. Um, try to get the, the high ground and try to understand why men feel um, a particular way. So if, you're try- if you are able to understand their argument and empathize with them, then you're able to, you would be able to understand everything better. That's really interesting because this is what's expected of women to be the understanding one, to be the one that is gonna make some um, make some sacrifices, understand the other one, make it more comfortable. And maybe it's for me personally, maybe it's time women do not be do not understand the other side because I think historically, gen- like generally, women are the ones who are emotionally more mature, and you can see it like around us as well. Um, I think this is a good advice, but I think this is this reflects the social norms. Oh, it does. Yes, it very much does. <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you so much, Daniel. Bye bye.